0: or podcast coming your way, episode four sixty one Q and A. Five great Q and A's coming your way. Steve Schmee and the Rickster, Ricky V. Rock. How's it going, buddy?
1: Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there?
0: So we're laughing kind of on the pre-show on the Prices Right. There was a woman, you know, on the she won a um, a prize, and they uh, they told her you win a trip to New Hampshire, and she she did not want that. At all, so we were kind of laughing that uh, on the pre show. She's expecting something to Fiji or Hawaii and all this stuff, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind a trip to New Hampshire, nice, quiet place, not too many people. That's that to me would be a good vacation rather than going, you know, somewhere that was uh packed. But we're going to talk about that on this show. We're going to talk about you mean she didn't want to go to
1: historic New Hampshire?
0: I mean, I I would, man, just to go in the mountains and be away from everybody, that would be something I, I need for sure. But we're going to talk about that later in the show because we're going to ask Rick about countries he's been to where he can walk into the pharmacy and got something. We've talked about this before, but we're going to get more in depth on this one. So we're going to really pick his brain. If you ever dreamt about a vacation where you can just go and fuck, use steroids and lift and eat. For two weeks, that would be a cool vacation, right? So, we're gonna to talk to Rick about that. He's gonna give us some country options for that for those of you out there who want to take a little two week fun time. So, let's get to the first one though, guys. Um, we're gonna talk about this. This is one for Rick too. Uh, Rick knows a lot about this as well because he can, he's used actual testosterone from a pharmacy. So, let's talk about this one difference between testosterone from the pharmacy versus lab so i can tell you the first time i used steroids i actually ordered pharmacy grade sustenon, and it was the pakistani organon and i think it was decadurabolin organon those were my first couple cycles and let me tell you something man it was amazing it was an amazing cycle so you know back in those days it was expensive though you know, you'd order international and this was like 15 years ago. You order international, it would be really expensive and you'd ha- and it would take forever to get to your doorstep and they would hit you with shipping like 50, 60 bucks shipping on top of it. So back in those days, it was crazy. Now it's so cheap. You have underground labs all over the place. The, they've driven down the market on these products. I mean, we're talking about, you can get a vial of testosterone for like, 40, 50 bucks now, you know, and it's, it's ridiculous. So Rick, I'm bringing you in on this one. Tell us what your opinion of the differences between testosterone from a pharmacy and lab.
1: Okay. So there's a, a couple of things to consider the things that you can notice happening, and the things that you won't quite right away, notice happening. The Number one, obviously, is the effects, the results you get. Whenever you get legitimate pharmaceutical great testosterone, that thing is going to be within 1% or 2% of the label claims. So if you're paying for an ampule of 250 milligrams, that amp is going to be at 250 milligrams or very close to it. And not only that, but the raw material that is made from uh, the pharmaceutical company would have tested it beforehand, and it would have tested at about 99 to 98% uh, purity. So you get a really good, legitimate, pure product all the way through. When it comes to underground lab steroids, uh, I, look, I had a, a, a podcast uh, interview with a guy who said, hey, you know, uh, back when I used to be involved in a underground lab, the guy was telling me, He said that he would put in about 10 10 to 20% more of the claimed label strength for the products he was making. So if he was making that 250 milligram per CC testosterone, he would be putting in 270, 280 just to give his customers some more. He said now, don't know, and I don't think I, I asked them this, but I'm pretty sure that the majority of underground labs guys are not testing their, their products, are not testing the raw materials when they come in. And so putting in an extra 10%, 20% is just a, a short-fire way to make sure that if your raws aren't up to par, if you're only at 80% of purity, if whatever, then the guy on the on the customer end who's injecting this stuff and, if he's someone with experience, he'll know he's getting the right amounts that he is uh, paying for, right? So sometimes they will just put in more. And that's kind of, or, or they'll put in just the right amount, but the raw materials are shit. Or sometimes during the process, they'll, they'll lose some material um, and they won't realize that the final product is actually uh, less um, strong as what, what they set out to make. So, something that's so when they're trying to uh, make maybe something that's 250 milligrams per cc, they end up with 200 and change 210, 220, 230 milligrams per cc. They just don't know it. And, and these are kind of mishaps that really happen with uh, some, of, some of these kind of bottom tier, mid tiers, underground labs, is just the quality control and testing the roles when they come in uh, for impurities, for heavy metals, for potency then testing the final product again for heavy metals for impurities for potency uh these are just some uh, these are just some steps that that some of the middle tier guys just don't take especially some of the guys just getting jugs vials uh to put their labels on with, with the finished product already i mean they don't they don't know what they're getting so on the user end, are you going to notice a difference? Look, uh, if you get something that's overdosed a little bit, you're going to think it's strong and it's great. If you get something that is underdosed um, because of either impurity or because the guy just didn't lost some material in the process, and too to uneducated in the process to realize he's, he's losing material, some of it is is uh, clumping up, it's, it's crystallizing. He's he's just losing it. There's different ways that that you could kind of fuck that process up and he doesn't realize what's going on. And he makes something that's, you know, 10% weaker than what he set out to make, even if his raws were pretty decent. Uh, And then as the user, you'll notice that, especially if you have some experience, you know, and and you're using standalone compounds, you'll notice, you'll notice, you know, if if you're doing TRT and, and you're taking a couple hundred milligrams every every ten days, and you decide to just save money or, or your insurance or whatever you can't cover anymore. You're gonna go underground for those same two hundred mgs every ten days, and then the shit just works different. Maybe it's a little stronger gives you some side effects because the guy put more in it. Maybe it's weaker and you you don't you don't feel the same. You know, it's just it it can be hit or miss. And then the, there's the other component, which is the contaminants, the heavy metals, the other stuff that could be in it. Um. Look, guys, uh, China's kind of cracked down on these raw materials. And a lot of times they're being made, illegally made, you know, by plants that aren't supposed to be making them. And when things like that happen, they might use some of the same machinery, trays, processes, you know, whatever that they do in some other materials that aren't meant for human consumption. Everything from pesticides to commercial lubricants to whatever. Who knows? And so you might get some additional contamination in those batches of of powder in the way of heavy metals, maybe other other contaminants we're not really on the lookout for. Um, Do you remember, Steve, back in the day, how a lot of vitamins, regular just vitamins for your grandma, were getting pulled off the shelf because they contained trace amounts of pro-hormones, and some steroids and stuff. And th- this is a real problem. Uh, wow, that's low. horrible. Yeah. There, there were trace amounts, like tiny amounts. And the reason that was happening is because during the heyday of the pro-hormones, there were a lot. I'm talking about a lot of manufacturers of supplement of, of, of over-the-counter supplements that are, are sold in pharmacies or sold other places making, making runs of pro-hormones. You know, sometimes some of the larger brands don't really have their own manufacturing or maybe they get large orders that that uh, are, are too far outside of what their manufacturing can handle. So they'll contract some jobs out, 10,000 bottles here, 20,000 bottles there out of, you know, 100,000 bottle order they might have for Walmart, let's say, you know, as a, as a, as a possible example. And one of these manufacturers that's making a chunk of that of that run that's going to, to this huge chain store he might have been running pro hormones for a buddy of his on the side what somewhat and then stuff gets stuff get gets contaminated and, and this happened this is this is a good 10 years where there were a lot of problems across contamination it, it went up to the point now that there are some supplement nutritional supplement manufacturing facilities that get a, a special certification Called Wada Sport, I think. I think it's called Wada Sport. And under these, uh, if you get this certification for your facility, then you can't even have anything in your facility that is that wouldn't be allowed for a competitor that um that's overseen by Wada for doping. You know, so even like like seven keto DHEA, which is completely legit and legal to sell over the counter, a lot of places do you can't have it in your it can't even exist in your facility. Because of the danger of cross contamination, and why is that relevant? Well, if a facility uh, makes some crystalline steroid hormone for a client in the same machinery and using the same equipment and stuff that they've maybe ran some uh, some pesticides for a little banana republic country that. Still sells that old nasty pesticide that maybe other countries abandoned. Who fucking knows? But they use the same stuff, and there's a good chance of cross-contamination happening. It happened with u s supplement manufacturers um, contamination of of previous products that were being made with the same kind of equipment. It, it, why wouldn't it? Why couldn't we assume that something like that could happen in a Chinese lab somewhere? It's only really like the the pharmaceutical companies are like the top, top tier, really top tier name of UG brands that are able to really get the good, clean raw materials that are not going to have some contaminants. And that's the aspect that that's maybe not so apparent right away when you are taking your steroids. You might if you have enough experience, you might notice if if they change the, the 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 product out for something else something cheaper, changed out for something stronger, you might be able to tell that if it's up to label claim or not, just from previous experience running this dose, but you won't be able to tell right away that you got some heavy metals uh, in that shot or that you have some other contaminant that's maybe not going to have an immediate health effect, but will build up over time and over the shots. You know, there are some contaminants, uh, especially some kind of synthetic contaminants and even some some of these metals that are, are really hard for your body to get rid of like your body won't just get rid of them They're like they'll accumulate over time so that's just kind of a big long uh spiel on on steroids and manufacturing i did a whole episode on it on the elite fitness podcast guys if you guys want to go check out elitefitness.com, look on the top right podcast i did a, a couple episodes all about uh some how some of these uh, steroid manufacturing uh, uh works but yeah, that's all I have to say about that for this for this show. Yeah, it's a good explanation. So,
0: the next one I'll lead off on: Are there any anabolic steroids that you hate now? So for me, I want to say I hate. And I, hate is a very strong word. I don't. I try not to hate anything. Um, but steroids that I've grown not to not to like, I think I think Deca for me um, the way it increases my appetite. That's not something I like because I'm already a voracious eater as it is. So I've always been like that. Um, you know, I, was, I grew up one of those people who just ate a ton of food. And I never gained weight. So I was definitely like I grew up like an ectomorph. So as an adult, it's the same thing. Like I eat, I like to eat a lot of food, good nutritious food, obviously, but I like to eat. And uh, when I take DECA, I just can't get satiated on the stuff. So that's one that I don't like. Um, Another one that I definitely don't like, Superdrol. And the reason I don't like Superdrol is because the fatigue factor. I like to be in control of my body throughout the day. I don't like to be tired during the day. I don't like to have to take a nap during the day. And that's what happens on Superdrol because it's sodium toxic in the body and it strains your organs so much that it makes me feel like crap. And, you know, you get tired on it. And then to top it off, it's hard to sleep on it, too. It, like, fucks with your sleep. So you're tired all day, and then you have a hard time sleeping. It's toxic. It's just, it's just so, so strong. It's such a strong steroid that I will never touch that again. Hard to believe they used to have super uh, – you were just talking about that, Rick. But it's hard to believe they used to sell Super Drol clones online over-the-counter. You can just buy it you know, as supplements. You can just buy them with a credit card online. So it's really hard to believe because if you run blood work before and during Superdrol, you're on it three weeks, run blood work, and you'll be in shock at what happens to your blood work. Most of your parameters are going to be off. So it's really, really, really a toxic steroid to mess with. Also Tremblone. Um, as much as Tremblone was good to me back in the day, it did a lot of things for me, maybe me really strong and maybe the biggest and strongest I've ever been in my life. Today I would say it's not something that I would I would like. Again, I don't like the way it makes me feel. It makes me feel hot all the time. It makes me feel dehydrated all the time. It makes, kills my cardio. And just like super droll, it makes me just, uh, it makes me feel like I'm carrying like weight on my shoulders all day. And it's just, it's a really, really, it just warps the energy from me. So I like to be high energy. I like to be in control of my body as much as I can. So these types of steroids that really, really mess with me and make me, you know, super hungry or make me super tired or mess with my sleep or make me super hot. You know, it's not something that that I um I really like.
1: How about you, Rick? What's what's one that you've grown to hate over the years? You know, that's a hard question for me because I don't think I I particularly hate any uh steroid. There's definitely some that are just not not for me. Uh some of the harsher orals that I've tried just just not for me. Uh nowadays the only orals I really mess with is like Anavar maybe Winstrow, maybe turin That's about it. You know, I don't really come out of that zone, out of those three nowadays, very rarely. Um, I've messed mess with some of the 1-DHEA, uh, 4-DHEA, 19-NOR-DHEA, 5-OHP, some of those non-methylated uh, pro-hormones I've, I've been messing with and just kind of watching how my body reacts to them. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't say I hate Anadrol. I just wouldn't wouldn't use it because um, uh, for my goals, there are other products that are probably more conducive to my goals. Same thing with Dianabol. I don't hate Dianabol. I think it's a great product. Um, if I used it, maybe I would drop in a little bit of like 10 mix during a cycle, right? I'm already using other stuff as, as a as a backdrop to where my hormone levels are. And then I would just drop Dianabol as a 10 milligram, you know, pre-workout, maybe in you know, on some days. Again, just on top of just on top of other steroids, I would take like a scoop of N2KTS. Um, and you know, actually I would want to take maybe the Dianabol one to two hours before my workout. So I'd hit like Diane ball like an hour, hour and a half before my workout. Then the N2KTS, you know, some some getting to the gym. And really that would be a really nice fucking stack because I would have stimulants, uh, nitrogen retention agents, and the steroid, strong steroid with me, but it's about all I would really do with Dianabol. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I don't mess with it anymore. Um, Tremblone. Uh, there was a time in this podcast for a good 100 episodes when I just said, don't use it. Now I, I've messed with it again, but now I just 100 milligrams a week. That's it. Of an athlete. That's it. That's it. Just 100, maybe 200, maybe, maybe 200. I might, I might get up that high on, on some weeks where I, I plan a particularly uh, hard a training week that I plan. That's, you know, that's how I'm, that's how I'm rocking with that. Um, DECA, a lot of respect for DECA. It fucks with my dick. It really, really does. So maybe um, on a cycle where I'm using a lot of other stuff, I might drop it in at 50 mgs per week or 100 megs every two weeks, 100 megs every two weeks. But again, that's on a backdrop of like testosterone EQ, you know, maybe Winstrel on top of that, Do, doing something, mainly Anabar. If I'm going to drop a little Deca, I probably wouldn't be using the Winstrel. I'd be dropping the deck, I'd be dropping Anabar on, the, on that stack with the test and the EQ. Um, so there's stuff that I just don't didn't have a use for and I don't don't fuck around with really, like Halo testing or Methyltramolone or some of that stuff. I I can't say I hate those because I never gave those really the chance of a good shot, um, to really uh, know them, understand them. Really, I think I'm going to rephrase the question a little bit. Are there any steroids you hate now? At my level of understanding in the game right now, uh, really, the, it, it, what it comes down to is there's just a few compounds that become go to compounds for me. You know, I know what a little bit of test, a little bit of EQ, maybe a little bit of Anabar, of Wishel can do together. Maybe. 100 megs of Trembolone on top of it. I I know what those things can do. And when the changes aren't happening at the rate that I want them to, when my body maybe is not developing or or not acting the way I need it to, I want it to, I start looking more at my training, lifestyle habits, diet. I look at those things first, not the compounds. Like I've already settled in on on the four or five, maybe six steroids that I really mess with and go to. Um, There are some some Psalms I'm adding in. There's uh, peptides I'm, I'm planning on experimenting on, but I have just got my go-to compounds. And when things aren't doing what they should be, I look at my diet and training first. I don't, I don't sit there and think that maybe I'm a little watery or, or maybe I'm, you know, my six pack is not as sharp or, or maybe I couldn't do, I haven't been able to do the same kind of reps and weights the last two weeks that I, I was doing last month, even as a mid cycle, you know, dump things like that. I don't, Sit there and think, oh, I, I, I guess I just need to double the trend. No, nah, fuck that. Like I'm looking at my training. What am I doing? Am I sleeping enough? Am I eating right? You know, why is my mood like this? what, what, what else am I doing? What kind of diet am i am I having? Am I they not fiber in my in my diet? Am I getting am I getting all of my nutrition? You know, am I getting what's going? I look at all these other things. So, you really should as you as you gain knowledge and as you experiment with these compounds, the best is just to settle in on just a few that you know work for you, that don't make your face break out all fucking nasty, that don't give you like problems with anxiety, with, with, with problems with not being able to sleep right, uh, your dick not acting right. You know, the settling on the ones that you can manage and you know kind of gel well with, with, your, with what you got going on and you'll be good. I really think that, you know, I've said on the podcast, their are guys that just aren't built for steroid use. And their first little cycle, little bottle of pro hormones, they get over the counter or something, they'll, they, they broke out, lactating nipples, you know, things like that. And they just, they just left. They never tried uh, performance enhancement drugs ever again. Uh, I think some of those people, maybe they got started with that one compound or the family of compounds that kind of was going to give them that side effects. And if, People like that would just would take a step back, then try a different angle, try a different compound, maybe uh, you know, get away from 19 NORs, look towards, you know, more DHT derivative like compounds, you know, just go back to just base test with a couple of auxiliaries. Like you just, you'll find that kind of steroid, that structure that your body does does well with, that your body really can take to. You know, in my case, those steroids work well for me. I'm, I'm prone to gynecomastia. I will have issues with acne here and there. You know, there are things that are, so those compounds are really kind of the ones I mentioned are real, real kind of easy for me to work with. And and obviously keeping the doses low. When things aren't moving along, when when things are are not, if I set a goal for myself, like hey, I want to take some before and afters for a little marketing for 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 my. Social. Uh, and then, you know, two, three weeks in, things are not moving along they, 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 the way I want them to. I rarely do I sit there and think, oh, I need to up my dose. Now I'm like, all right, well, I need to get tired of my diet or I'm not. I, I can usually see where, who see where I'm fucking up, you know, or maybe I'm, I'm in the gym. I'm, I'm getting a little lazy. I'm, I'm not pushing out those last couple reps. And I know that's why my body responds to. So um, that's it. It's just a long answer. But that's, you know, that's all I have for you on that topic. All right, so we're going to get
0: to the vacation one next, but before we get to it, we have to talk a little bit about clenbuterol. So clenbuterol is a drug, it's not a steroid, and it's classified as a sympathomimetic amine, or amine, and used by sufferers of breathing disorders, and it's a bronchodilator so asthma make brave, breathing easier and um you know it's available by prescription only and it's sold you know bodybuilders take it orally there's also oral solution that it's made in but bodybuilders will have used combuterol many many have used combuterol over the years and it does some things in the body when it comes to weight loss. And that's why bodybuilders used it. So back in the day, you'd have people like Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, Victoria Beckham, you know, celebrity singers who have used it and they had good results on it. Um, uh, Me personally, I've used it a couple of times. I felt like, I was having like a heart attack on this stuff. Like I would basically in the evenings, it got to the point where I was on it for like a week. And in the evenings I'd have like a big meal and it felt like I was like getting heartburn. Like I had to lay down. I was in so much pain. And um, I don't know what this stuff did to me. I think it just fucks your heart, fucks with your heart too much. The thing is like bodybuilders use a dosage. So bodybuilders will usually start off at like 40, 50, 60 micrograms. And then you're supposed to up it ten to twenty micrograms every few days until you get it up to 100 micrograms, 120, 140 micrograms. So what I notice is once I get over 80, once I get over 100 micrograms, the side effects will start coming on. Another big side effect that I had was my hand start shaking randomly throughout the day. So that's that's how Clenbuterol works for weight loss, but it's just a shitty way to lose weight and it really, I mean, I just don't think it, I don't think it works that well. Like you're going to tell me that something like this, that makes you shaky and gives you heartburn and it destroys your cardio. You're telling me that's going to be good, you know, for fat loss. And I'll tell you, go, go run a couple laps after the gym, you know, that's healthy for your heart. Right. So, I mean, for me, I think it's a shitty, I think it's a shitty, shitty drug. I would say over the years on the forums, I'd say less than 15%, maybe even less than 10% of guys actually said, yeah, I use clan and I shredded up on it. And, um, you know, most of the guys, they run it and they're like, this is garbage. Like, so I think in 2022, it's just a garbage drug to use for weight loss. I think we know much more effective ways to lose weight, much more effective things to take to lose weight. So I just don't think it's a good it's a good option, and like it's amazing the amount of people, a lot uh, the amount of uh, athletes that have been busted for Climbuterol over the years. You know, um, you've got people from swimmers to baseball players to cyclists to soccer players. I mean, I I just don't get it. I don't get the um, why these guys would even mess with it. I mean, you even had a hockey player, a hockey player got busted for it. Carter Ashton, I remember that. He got suspended for 20 games. So I don't I don't understand why they would even use it. Why would they why would they use this stuff? The only thing I can think of is they're using an amount that's small enough where it's helping their endurance. But in terms of fat loss, it makes no sense to use it. For endurance, because it kills your endurance. So it's just flabbergasting. I got boxers. Uh, I mean, it's just it's it's amazing, Rick. I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Um, I don't get why anybody would use this shit today. So, but like I said, ten, maybe 15 percent of people swear by it and they love it. But overall, it's just a shitty. It's like it's like a it's like taking uh, ephedrine. You know, um, and thinking it's going to help with your with your athleticism, and it doesn't. It kills your athleticism because it, anything that's that's is a stimulant that fucks with your heart is going to. It's like your engine. It's like going in your car and just pushing down on the gas while in neutral and just rubbing up your engine. That's that's what you're doing here. So to me, it doesn't make much sense. I've never really understood it. It's definitely, I would say, fallen out of favor. Over the years, uh, I'd say year over year, in the past 15 years, I've noticed on forums it's full, fallen out of favor more and more. That's what I've noticed. But I think 15 years ago, because of these celebrities, I think a lot of people were interested in it. So, Rick, give us your uh, what are your thoughts on clan?
1: So, uh, I'll start telling you guys kind of what the place of clan was at the start of this thing years and years ago. Uh, I'll te- then I'll kind of tell you why you shouldn't use it, but clan. Uh, look, for a long time, plan was used before cycles and after cycles. Guys believed that it would help clear your androgen receptors to make your steroids more effective before cycle. And a lot of guys felt that it would help you work as an anti catabolic that, that was allowing you to recover, was allowing you to recover from suppression while being anti catabolic. Because uh, a trend, uh, CLEN has been known is that fat burner that is also anti-catabolic, puts on a little bit of mass. And I think that's more true for women than for men. I think women get more of an anti-catabolic kind of muscle building, muscle toning effect from clenbuterol than, than men do. I think for men, the guys who take it really are mostly in it for the fat loss side, for the fat loss effects. But I think in the case of a female that doesn't want to take an androgen like Anavar, but would like to gain muscle tone at a faster rate than natural a uh, clenbutyrol might not actually be that bad of of an option you know if we're talking about harm reduction here right uh suppose taking a steroid you could try clen uh, in a very uh the very conservative manner still let me tell you guys why you shouldn't use clen clen can have other bad side effects um enlargening of the heart it's been one of the side effects that most people are afraid of with clenbuterol. You might have some, who knows, maybe some more permanent side effects from its use that are going to be long gone, long there, even after you've gained that weight back, you know, even after you've, you've gained some of the fat loss back from clenbuterol. So maybe not the best option for most of us. And um, also uh, really, I've said this a ton of times before you go out and take a clenbuterol, or an albuterol, or a DMP, or any of these kind of fat laws, uh, uh, synthetic drugs, um, you could just try eating less, you know, eat eat, eat much less than you're eating now. So instead of of punching your central nervous system with stimulants, how about you just fucking eat less, you know, instead of punching your your body, your natural service, central nervous system with compounds to make you burn more calories and stuff. How about you just eat less and caffeine caffeine works to keep you awake while you're in a caloric deficit. I promise you guys, it really, really does it. it works. It works very well. So do that, you know, do that, do that shit guys. Uh, That's the way to do it. Don't, don't take weight loss drugs when you could just eat less and train more. And if you do decide to get a little bit of help with your diet, man, there's so many good options over the counter that are not really gonna mess you up like a clambutyl would. Uh, some really kind of smooth uh, stimulants, some really good um, fat loss agents. Look, caffeine, your HIMBY. Uh, those are really good uh, fat loss agents. Just those two alone. There's more, way way more stuff out there. Um, I make a couple of products. N2Burn, uh, N2Sling, which is completely non-stimulant, no effect on your central nervous system. It works via the insulin pathway. Um Cortisol, which helps burn fat, helps improve endurance, huge, huge list of ingredients, uh, all from naturally occurring sources, none of the synthetic stuff. And those are a lot smoother uh, ways to kind of help your, your progress along. But I just can't think or give anyone justification for taking something like clenbuterol or in that same breath, uh, Albuterol DMP, okay, to, to burn calories. When you can just eat less, bro, like just eat less, your body will burn it, your body will need those calories every single day, just eat less, bro, you know, and uh, and then and you don't have to go with the drugs. All that being said, if you're getting ready for a show, or if you got a coach that's experienced with these compounds, and you're using these compounds to look your best by a certain date, then it's between you and your coach what you guys do, you know, rock on with it. Rock on with it. That's that's what you guys want to do. That's your yeah. It's a different story when you're given a date for when you need to look your best. and You're about this life, and you're trying to build some Instagram grind or or, or some clients for for your training, personal training, whatever it is. And this is kind of your life. I can see some justifications because there are, there are dates you need to be get be get ready by. You got a movie role. You got a photo shoot. You got a fucking show. You know whatever you gotta you gotta you know, whatever you got going on, it's part of your job, the way that you make money. I can, I can kind of sort of give you a buy and say, all right, you know, and you got a coach. You either got a coach or you yourself know how to use it because you've done a couple of cycles under a coach of this clan. And now you, you know how to fuck with it on your own. I could see that. I could see those angles of the, of the argument really well, but for the most part, for most of you guys out there, especially men, like if you're a dude, clenbuterol is not going to be anti-catabolic. You'd probably be better off with, with de- take my N2 product. Put that on your shoulders twice a, a day. That'll be a great anti-catabolic. And you could just eat way less, eat way less than you're eating right now or, or do way more cardio than you're doing right now. And then now then you're going to see some serious improvements, not only the additional muscle tone from the training, but you're, you're putting less food through your system. Maybe you fast some. That's actually all right. But to continue to eat, you know, not in a caloric deficit, but a surplus and then take drugs to put you at a, at a, at a deficit or kind of like that's just or if you're just at a, a really soft kind of pussy deficit, deficit, you're not really suffering the cows, you're, you're just kind of just under maintenance. When you're gonna take a drug to make the fat loss faster. How about you just get deeper under maintenance and throw in some 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 steroids, maybe, or N2 so, You know, something along those lines, or or you know, some stack it, GW and, and s 4 Osterin. But you know, if you're taking drugs, but anything but messing with with some of these harsh compounds, CLAN, DMP, this kind of stuff for, for fat loss when you could just eat less. It's kind of my, my final message. That's all. All right. So next
0: one is for you, Rick. This is the one that we've been waiting for. Which countries have steroids
1: over the counter that you've been to legally over the counter, pretty much none. But anytime you get out, out of the scope of first world countries, anytime you leave the U S you leave the UK, you leave Australia, You leave New Zealand, you leave Canada. Anytime you leave these places and you venture into, I would say, third world, maybe second world, depending where you're going. But some of these countries, uh, you're going to be able to walk into a pharmacy and buy them, although legally you're not supposed to. And that's kind of how the pharmacies work in El Mexico in El Republic of Dominicano. That's how they work in Colombia. That's how they work pretty much everywhere. They'll have some steroids uh, in the pharmacy and they'll sell them to you without a script, even though legally they're kind of not supposed to. Um, in the U.S. and and in England and Australia, there's the same laws in the books about not giving people prescription medications without a prescription, like same kind of laws in the books already, all, all set to go. But difference is that south of the border, and some of these other places, the laws just aren't enforced. They're just not enforced. Uh, it's in a lot of these poor countries. Uh, a lot of people use the pharmacist as a doctor. They'll go to the pharmacy and say, hey, I'm having these symptoms. And uh, the pharmacist will, will, you know, go into his memory and say, oh, shit, you know, I notice people have been being been getting prescribed these medications for for this new uh, thing that's getting around. And this, that's what they'll give them. You know, it saves people the expense on going to a doctor when they could trust a pharmacist to kind of on the spot tell them what they should take, and so the transaction takes place for all intents and purposes between the pharmacist and the and the person without a doctor being involved. And once a pharmacist, and that happens pretty much across the third world, yeah, Mexico, you go to Colombia, obviously, I have experience with that, and and many many other places, um, even some parts of like Eastern Europe you can go to it and it'll be the same. Uh, definitely in, in places like India, you know, uh, um, you, some pharmacies will, will, supply it pretty readily. Um, so it, it really, some of these places, like, like I said, uh, uh, people in the neighborhood, instead of um, having to take a trip to the doctor, sometimes, you know, they don't, they, they have to get a public transportation. They don't have a car, the money to pay for a doctor, just a. Maybe get a prescription, same prescription or the same medications that the pharmacist could just could just take your money for and, and give it to you right away. And by the time you're in a culture where this is accepted, then the pharmacist is just going to dispense anything you want. So if you walk in there and you say, hey, I want testosterone. Hey, I want, uh, uh, you know, that. Dec- hey, I want Premobol and Provirin. I want testosterone and decanoate, testosterone and that I want Bayer. I want Pfizer. I want, I want sharing. You know, what do you have? Once you come in and ask for these things and the pharmacist is used to dispensing without a license, without a, a prescription, it, it's just real easy. So pretty much, I think it's much easier to give you a list of the countries where you shouldn't even think you're going to get a pharmacist to just dispense to you without a proper prescription. And those mainly are going to be like your, your England, Canada, U.S. Australia, New Zealand, France, Italy, you might get lucky. Spain, you might, who knows, you might maybe get lucky in some of the the tinier, smaller towns in Spain. Who knows? Could be wrong. Um, And that's kind of around your, but most of everywhere else you go beyond that. Uh, Japan, you might have a a hard time getting a pharmacist to to dispense it to you. Uh, Maybe Singapore, you know, some of these kind of really... Some of these countries where they actually enforce those fucking laws that are on the books, they really care about it. You're going to have a hard time. Hong Kong, you might have a pretty hard time. But, uh, and we're talking specifically pharmacists, dispensing and right out of the pharmacy, right? Because in those same countries, like let's say, you, you, you're more likely to find a gym dealer that's be more ready and willing to deal with you in Canada, maybe than you would in the US, because the Canadian gym dealer might be worried about not as harsh a penalties as the guy in the U.S. I S I don't know. I could be talking on my ass on that one, but I know for example, that some countries where the pharmacist won't dispense to you, you can usually get those same human grade stuff, or you get some really good uh, uh, UG brands or some nasty UG brands that are bad. Also uh, from guys at the gym or outside quite readily, quite easily, you know, quite, quite no problem. Uh, and those could be like, let's say, your Italy or your Greece or something like that, right? You might find a, a friendly pharmacist. You might not. Uh, and if you don't, then there's definitely easy to find at the gym. Those guys aren't, aren't that worried about, uh, you know, undercover operations to take him down because of Jews. It happens very sporadically and usually it's tied to, to other issues uh, uh, those groups are having. So that's kind of like how it is. Just a little, this is for me, just keeping my eyes open, talking to guys, definitely reading the forums, uh, talking to guys from different countries all over the forums, and traveling myself quite a bit. This is kind of how I found how these things uh, uh, operate and work. Right. But Yeah, I mean, uh, Eastern Europe, uh, most of Asia, uh, most of Africa, um, pretty much all of most of Latin America, Central South America. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be able to walk into a pharmacy and pretty much get any steroid. You any steroid that. That's legal for for human dispense in that country, for anything from testosterone, Deca, um, Proviron, many things. You get some tamoxifen, you get Novodex, you get Clomid. Uh, you can get in some places you'll be able to get either romacin or Femara or both. A few places you'll be able to get a and um, and then you know if you want uh, Sodanafil, Sodanafil, Berdanafil, any of those dick uh, pills. If you want antibiotics, most of the antibiotics you want. If you want, you know, uh, warmer wink, wink, whatever you want. Uh, most of these, most of these countries, um, you walk into a pharmacy, and and most of them will dispense. If you walk into a pharmacy at a shopping center or in a mall, you might you might run into a problem. But if you run, but if you walk into a pharmacy that you can kind of legitimately tell is is like a mom and pop, it's kind of owned by by some locals. Maybe someone's running it out of out of the out of the first floor of their house. Then, you know, you can kind of walk in there and get anything you want. As long as you don't look weird, as long as you don't look like a fucking agent or something like a cop, like a local cop, you know, you most likely to not be able to, to land whatever, uh, whatever you want. So a couple of questions for you.
0: I did a uh, mobster and I, we did on the hardcore, we did Rafael Brandeo, who is a top Brazilian bodybuilder, right? And when I was researching about him, it says that in Brazil, steroids are illegal and also Argentina steroids are illegal. So you mentioned South, all of South America, but those two countries, it's illegal. Any idea why those two countries specifically are illegal, but the rest of South
1: America is cool with it? Um, like illegal, like criminalized, you mean, or just or just prescription? I'm about to search it right now.
0: Yeah, search it. But it says in Brazil is one of the countries where it's straight up legal.
1: Um, it's tr- without it's, a so prescription.
0: You, yeah, without a prescription,
1: I guess. Um, what basically it is, is this, buddy. In pretty much any every one of these countries, including Mexico or Colombia or, or Dominican Republic or Brazil, it's in the books that it's kind of illegal for a pharmacist to dispense without a prescription. It's just not something that the law enforcement is, enforcement is actively working on, seeking, caring about. the The majority of the cops on the street, if they catch you with with some testosterone on you, they might not even fully understand that you know you, you're not supposed to have it without a prescription or that it's even. I mean, it's they might not even fully understand what it is, kind of. So it's not a concern, and, and because it's not a concern, because. Uh, I'm sure cops go to pharmacists and, and and try to get medications for their children all the time. Anyway, you just don't get cops caring about it. Um, it just doesn't kind of happen. But like, it's illegal to manufacture steroids, and some of these places, it's illegal to dispense some of these medications without a prescription. All of that. It's just not something that's enforced. It's just not something that it's is a. That anyone is worrying about, it's kind of done out in the open because nobody kind of sort of cares. Same thing with the veterinarian clinics; you can go in and get equipoise, get some of these uh, steroids that are meant for for the cattle industry or for the veterinarian use. You go walk in there and buy them because there isn't anyone coming in there to regulate them and count how many bottles of or, or ampules of testosterone. They sold that week and where are all the prescriptions, you know, no, every, every mom and pop pharmacy in places like Brazil, in places like, like Mexico in places like Colombia, if they order a hundred or 200 or 500 ampules of Bayer testosterone test of iron, and they sell out of those month after month, there's not going to be any government official coming to their, to their shop saying, Hey, can you show us the, the photocopies? or the prescription uh, records or whatever you have to show you that you dispense these 500 units to legitimately scripted in patients, individuals. Can you show it? There's just, isn't anybody that's ever going to come and do that. And so even though it's on the books, they're, they're just not worried about it and they dispense freely. Antibiotics is, is the main thing is the main thing. You know, if, if you are in your neighborhood and you're sick and you got the same sore throat or the same ear nose and throat infection that your cousin had last week and he got better taking erythromycin or taking CPAC or whatever you're not going to go to the doctor and get a prescription and they come back to you. no you're just going to you're going to send someone you know or you're going to go yourself to the to the pharmacy in the corner and say I need I need some erythromycin I got the same shit my cousin had last week and I'm going to uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to take the same meds he took you know, it's just for people like in, in some of these countries, it's just much easier, less people, fewer people have cars uh, few, you know, going to doctor's office is usually a hassle, long lines. Shit's just not, not great. So yeah, it's just kind of the way it works. It's illegal. It's on the books, bro. It's on the books everywhere. Like, it's on the books in Mexico, Colombia, everywhere. It's illegal to manufacture steroids, sell them. It's illegal to, to sell certain veterinarian drugs without a prescription, without a, a, a licensed veterinarian request. Like all this stuff is in the books. It's just like law enforcement in some of these countries has got their hands fulls. It's got their handfuls just kind of even trying to go after and look for crimes that have huge Problems with huge with a lot of victims and some of these real crimes that go on. So they're just they just don't spend time on some of these kind of administrative uh, uh, victimless crimes, you know what I mean? Like they're to the grand scale of things going on in some of these countries and 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 the and how shorthanded law enforcement is, They're just not worried about, you know, a consenting transaction between a pharmacist and a person. And the way they the way they keep addictive drugs, like at least in Colombia, the way they keep addictive drugs like Valium, like Adderall, like opiates, the way they keep those from the general public is they don't give they don't allow pharmacists to dispense those drugs. For those drugs, you have to walk into what basically is a government building. And get them from the from the government dispensary, government pharmacy. So in Colombia, if you get a script for Adderall, or Ritalin, or 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 O-Codean or you or, or Xanax, or any of those high, you know, narcotics or, or drugs that can be abused and addictive, those drugs, the, your 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 pharmacist in the corner just won't have access to them. He won't. I think the last one that, that, that you could get on a corner was, was Valium. Was, uh, under, I think it was a brand called Salpidem. And they took that off the market uh, just under under five years ago because grandmas were, were, were starting to abuse it. So the way that a lot of these countries deal with the pharmacists not flooding the streets with bad drugs um, is basically by making the government the only place you can get those drugs. But anything else, everything from testosterone to antibiotics to Novadex to uh, uh to dick pills you know cialis to all this stuff that's not that's not going to wreck your your whole community it's not going to make everybody an addict it's just kind of a real personal thing if someone takes it or not what kind of side effects they can have down the road that kind of stuff um really pharmacists can dispense whatever they want and nobody's ever going to come and, and bother them about it in some of these countries.
0: All right. <laughs> so I hope that answers it for sure. Rick's on definitely on the roll. So this is next one. We're going to talk about Winstroll a little bit, but we're going to talk about um, suspension versus tablets. This question came up and um, I take in the suspension. It's like a milk looks like milk and a funny story. I had one of my um, in-laws one time was, you know, uh, over the weekend spending, spending the weekend with, with us. And, um, and they suspected, they all suspected, you know, that I wasn't messing around with steroids. And they kind of dropped hints about it. But what's funny is uh, we were eating and um, I had some suspension in a little bottle, like looked, looked like milk. So I, I can't, you know, sitting watching TV, you know, um, and I brung my meal to the table. And then I brung my stroll and I sat the stroll next to my meal and I was eating my meal. And then I took, I took, I just took, I drank the stroll in front of my in-law and he kind of gave me a look. I mean, he had no fucking clue what it was, but I wonder if he thought like, <laughs> if he thought it was steroids. It looked like a little, you know, a little, little thing of milk. I don't know what he thought. Well, what, what what, do you think he would think there? Do you think it was a little, little thing of alcohol? you think it was a little, uh, what do you think it was?
1: Cause it looks like milk, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it does, if it, it separates and looks kind of weird and lumpy if you let it sit for a long time. But uh, once you, uh, once you shake it up, once you shake up that, that water-based suspension and, or even run it off, under warm water, it, it gets quite milky. I think, you know, I looked at the question. I'm like, this question might be sort of obsolete at this point. I mean, I, I, at least the most popular labs out there, uh, the good ones, they're making winstrol and oil based. Like I've, I've, I started seeing winstrol uh, show up in oil based uh, about ten years ago, almost now, and it doesn't, it doesn't separate. It's not milky. Doesn't look weird. And you know, winstrol had been water based for ages. You know, from from the sambonis you could buy from Spain all the way to all of the, the veterinarian grade winstrol that you can get. Um, that was really, really good stuff from Quality Vet and dencal, yeah, all that stuff. It's always been kind of this milky, milky liquid. But um, now, nowadays, is all in, in oil based. And are there any real? Uh, is it any one better than the other? And no, um, the, the the injections. I like the injections because you can do one a day. You know, you can do one a day. Your your when the crystalline hormone is is in that muscle, it takes it longer. To get processed and go through your bot to, to your body and through it. That then when you're ingesting it, you know when you're ingesting, your stomach is is and your tract is made to do that all day long to just take stuff in, break it down, push it through. But your muscles are not really meant to have a foreign substance placed in between its it cells and then just get rid of it. It it can do it, it takes it takes it longer than the digestive system. Hence. When you take the tablets, you got to take them throughout the day. When you inject, you can just shoot once a day, and be and, and in the muscle, and be pretty uh, pretty darn good with it. Now, is there? A, it's there. Is there one better? Is there one better than the other? It's just personal preference. They're both going to go through the liver, you know. Even the injectable Winstral, when it hits your bloodstream, it, it'll pass through the liver. It'll have to at some point anyway. And all everything in your blood will pass through your liver and kidneys. It'll it'll do it anyway, so you're not gonna you're not safe from liver toxicity. It's just maybe more convenient in the in the dosing, or maybe you you'd rather you find it more convenient to do the actual uh, uh tablets because then you could kind of time your tablet intake around your training, which some people kind of like to do. Some people like to time their steroid intake around their training. So I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think either or is great. And now nowadays you're just, I mean, unless you could find human grade Winstraw, unless you could find legitimate, legitimate veterinarian Winstraw uh, you're, you're going to have a hard time finding water-based Winstraw nowadays. I think brother, I think the majority of good brands out there are making oil-based Winstraw and and I'm sure there's still some, some water-based Winstraw floating around out there just for the people that are nostalgic for that. But I think the oil-based winstrel is, is better. It doesn't, it doesn't clog going through the needle. Like suspension, dude, I have some of that stuff from Denkal, some of these sambones, like you had to really put it under warm water for a little while and shake it so that it, it wouldn't clog your needle to, to make sure that the, that the crystals spread a little bit and unlocked, you know, when they were lumped together and you could actually get a smooth injection Uh, because that's just kind of that's just the way the steroids behave in in, in the water they don't they don't fully fully suspend they fall out now in the oil you don't get that you don't get the cloudiness you don't get anything in the oil-based went and and, um it's smooth through the needle i think it's just a superior option to to the water-based stuff and um look when it comes to when it comes to weenie i've done it like okay i've done it orally and i've done injections But like there was a time where I I was set on doing oral winstrel because it just fit in with what I was my training program or what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of take it a little bit at certain times of the day. And when I did my math milligram per milligram, it was cheaper for me to at that point grab it in an oil-based injectable, even though I had planned to just kind of run it as an oral, I wanted to journal a little bit some of the differences I was feeling at that time. And I just bought the oil-based winstrel. And measured it out with a pin and just shot it under my tongue and, and drank it three times a day, four times a day, just because, you know, milligram per milligram, it was a cheaper, better buy than to, than to grab the capsules. And I was pretty confident in myself that I could dose it out properly with a slim pin. And so I did that uh, during that cycle, during that moment. And, you know, you you could too. You can drink the Winstrel. That's been, I was back in the in the in the 2000s uh, i would say it was the the early 2000s i would say it was the number one of the top questions on the forums was do you or can you actually was the question can you drink the winstro?" and you know I, i've done it just price shopping and trying to get a cheaper uh, price per per milligram yeah definitely
0: i much prefer to to drink i'm surprised you said you like to inject it Now, is the oil-based winstrel, I've never injected the oil-based winstrel, I've injected the suspension, though, very painful,
1: does the oil-based winstrels hurt? All that shit hurts, but it's just a smoother, it's a much smoother shot, like, when you shot the suspension, did you ever get the needle clogging on you a little bit when you're pushing, you're kind of pushing, pushing, it just stops, then you got to pull, pull and push and pull. pull no, I didn't totally. have an she issue. The crystal? It was,
0: no, it just went right through, but it hurt like hell. I, did
1: I you, did like... you run it under warm water. Or did you just have a really good uh, lab that made it? No, I didn't run it underwater. Mm-mm. Okay. That's interesting. Now, I mean, with the stuff uh, we used to get from, from Dencal and, and, you know, some of the stuff from back in the day, early days. Uh, I mean, you, you, would have that issue. You'd want to run it under warm water to avoid that. And even then you still <clears throat> might get, might get a little bit of crystal clump and, in the needle. And I guess look, I've always used 23 and 25 gauge needles for injecting. I'm sure if you were using like a you know 20 gauge needle or something, it might it might flow right through. Um uh, uh but yeah, I mean it's um uh, you know that that was kind of my experience with, with it, uh, uh having some some crystallization of the stuff that I had. All right, so last question, buddy
0: Super Bowl Sunday. Uh it's gonna be the Bengals and the rams so the rams are four and a half point favorites uh cheapest ticket if you want the worst seats in the house $4,400 so um rick is taking me to my first super bowl sunday so he's buying the tickets so rick i really thank you for this gift and um who are you cheering for
1: What's the Sunday? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't watch. <laughs> you know, you're sport. taking me to the Super Bowl. No, I had no idea. You Actually, didn't get the last, rest- last, 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 uh, last couple of days, somebody mentioned Super Bowl is coming up. So, I mean, I know what the Super Bowl is, and but yeah, somebody mentioned it to me. Yeah. So you're episode. not
0: gonna be watching the Super Bowl.
1: Um, I'm pretty pumped up for the Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker of, of rematch uh, tomorrow night. Ah. So I'm looking forward to watching Derek Lewis uh, and uh, and Ty uh, fight and uh, Jared here with Derek Brunson. I mean, there's some decent fights actually um, tomorrow night. So I'm kind of um, kind of looking forward to that. Um, good, good, good fights. But as far as like you know, you know, I'm not really much into uh, organized team sports.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm just messing with you. Do you know what? Do you know what the you know uh, Roman numerals? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So LVI—that's the Super Bowl number. So what number what does that come out
1: to? <laughs> uh, I'll, t- I'll Google it right now. No, don't Google it. You're supposed to know this. Uh, I don't. I don't. You know the only Roman numeral, I, I don't remember L. Yeah, yeah. So it represents L, 50. L. is fifty. So this is yeah. the fifty-six. Um, exactly.
0: Because 56. L is fifty, V is five, and then the I is one. So it's number fifty-six. Super so Bowl fifty-six. Super so, Bowl yep. Fifty
1: Six. Yes, sir.
0: Wow. Yeah. By the time we're we 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 die, they'll be up to a hundred Super Bowls. So we'll be up to number
1: five thousand
0: podcasts, and they'll be up to hundred Super Bowls.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so, who do you think is going to win? Who who do you who do you put, place your bets on? You know, you're, a bad, you're a Well, I don't man. believe
0: in gambling, sir. But I don't endorse uh, gambling. But if I had to pick a team. In this podcast, you know, if I had to pick gamble, a, you only gamble on the tables. Right? I only gamble on the gamble on the, the strippers. But if I had to pick a team, I'd go with the Rams because um, I just think they're the superior team all around. I think the Bengals a little bit of a Cinderella story. They kind of had a um, a little bit, you know, they they you know a little Cinderella story going. I I, I don't like the Super Bowl at all, buddy. Uh, I don't think either team is the best team. I think the two best teams are the Chiefs and Bills, and they. Neither one are in the Super Bowl, so I think these teams are like not even top five teams in the NFL, like no, no, no doubt. So I don't think we're going to be picking the best team. I don't know if the same thing happens in your MMA shit, but some years this is what happens. You know, just the some teams just peak at the right time and they they get into the Super Bowl. But I think the Rams are the better team. I would think that the Rams would, would win this game by um, at least two touchdowns. So that that's who I'm picking.
1: All, right. All so, right. So what's the so what's the over and under then? How how would you how would you translate that into into bet talk? What's over and under? Like how would you how would you place your bet? Well, it's uh well the
0: Rams are four and a half point favorites, so you would take the Rams and you know eat that spread. So the Rams would have to win by at least four four and a half points. So they have to win by five points or more for you to win that bet. And then and the over um, the over under right. is 48 and a half, meaning that's the total amount of points scored between two teams. And I would I would go over on that one as well. I think there's gonna be at least 50 points scored during in this game. So I would go on the
1: over and I would take the Rams in this. So let's say uh, you placed uh, a bet for uh for a thousand bucks by your prescription of, of what what how how the score is gonna go. Um how much could you win? Well, the bookie,
0: yeah. So you would double your money minus the ten percent juice that the bookie's charging you. So you'd win, you'd win nine hundred if you were right. If All you right. Did, if you did a, a bet on the spread. Now, if you you bet on the money line, which is a straight up bet, uh, the money line is uh, minus two hundred for the Rams. So if you bet a thousand, you'd win five hundred only. Because it'd be it's minus 200, but if you pick Cincinnati, they're plus 160. So if you bet a hundred on Cincinnati, you would win 160 dollars. See what I'm saying? Oh, wow. so you, you win sixty percent, but you sell us that this there's a spread on that money line because that's how the bookie makes their money. so the more action the bookie t- the bookies make their money off the juice if that's like a they try to balance each side. So they want like a million dollars bet on one side, a million dollars bet on the other. This way no matter what happens, the bookie will still pocket the 10% of that of that million on each side. That's how bookies make money. But say they bet 2 million on one side and 1 million on the other side and the and the and that one side that $2 000, 2 million was bet on wins, then the bookie takes a hit. Gotcha? So- that's how bookies. That's how bookies make money. But over the over the long term, you would think that the bookies would pull a profit because the more people bet, the more it balances out. You know, the implied odds balances out, so the bookies are pocketing ten percent off every bet. So over time, you would think that they would pull a profit, but that doesn't always happen. Sometimes bookies. There's been Super Bowls where bookies have lost a lot of money. Because um, there's been more bets on one side, and then that side happened to go against the bookie. So, yeah, that's how it works, yeah.
1: Wow, you're about as knowledgeable about this as I am about steroid manufacturing practices. It's pretty interesting. I know, right? You know, for a guy that doesn't doesn't gamble, doesn't like gambling,
0: you know know quite a lot. I used to sports gamble, but I quit. You know what? One of the things um, about sports gambling is um, I didn't like it it took away the fun of the game, just watching the game and enjoying the game and enjoying, you know, how it went. Does that make sense? Like if you want, if you gamble on MMA fight and then you got money on it, it changes the way it takes the fun out of it. Cause now you're getting all emotional over money.
1: I'm too cheap to gamble. I, I just, I, I, I just do it. I hate doing it. Yeah. Too cheap. Well,
0: like gamble. I just explained to you, the bookies make 10% every time you bet. So over time, you have to be right at least 60% of the time just to break even. So really it doesn't work in your favor. Now, when I sports gambled, I actually walked away with $10,000 in my pocket and then quit. I made 15 grand, then took 10,000 off and left the five grand in there, then gambled away the five grand. But I still ended up with 10 grand in my pocket. That's the only way to do it. If I would have kept gambling over time and the bookies taking 10%, 10%, 10% over time, it's going to eventually, you know, wear, wear my money down over time. Unless you're really, really lucky and really, really good at it, which some people are. But most of the people, these gamblers and shit on social media, they have all these followers and they put out bets. They don't make the money off gambling itself. They make the money off memberships. Selling you a $100 a month membership to sign up where you get access to their picks. That's how they make their money. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel they don't like make money
0: off actually gambling their own money. So it's 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 a bunch of bullshit. And there was actually a real sports with Brian Gumble story about gambling recently on HBO. Very, very good uh, story about people who have gambled money and um, ended up getting divorced, ended up committing suicide, all kinds of different things. And uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting because they'll get they'll get they'll lose money and then they'll try to make it back. And then they'll steal money from their wife. They'll steal money from family. They'll steal money from friends, whatever, to try to make the money back. And in the process, they might win a little back and then that will push them to keep going. And then in the process, they end up losing more. So now they're in a bigger hole. So, yeah, gambling is really not something I endorse. Just enjoy the Super Bowl enjoy the game, enjoy the love of the game. And, you know, there's no reason to, to add money to the situation and be emotional about it. So,
1: you know, the only person that I've seen that had a, a somewhat somewhat healthy relationship with gambling is many, many years ago. I was, uh, I used to work at this, at this nightclub. I was, uh, I was the uh, security and other things for a nightclub. And one of the partners, one of the owners, he was a uh, admitted gambler. I mean, he had money on every game, on every sport and, The way he explained it to me, and he liked going to Atlantic City. It was really close right there in New York. And he'd go to Atlantic City uh, a week in the month, and then he'd hit Vegas up uh, for a week or two, a couple times a year, and he would be doing sports betting in between. And what he explained to me is that he just took a chunk. um, He said some years, it was 40 other years, as much as $60,000 out of his income that he set aside. And that was his play gambling money. And he was already ready at the beginning of the year to, to play out and lose all of, the, all of that money. He said that removing from his mind that he would ever make any money gambling, instead that it was an expense. And, he, and if he was hot and he was winning, he would enjoy the money longer. But if he was called and he was losing, he would set a limit for how much he would lose for the year. And, you know, he told me a couple of stories of him going to um, going to Atlantic City with uh, a, I think he put set aside uh, 12 grand for that trip, 12,000 bucks. And he said he he got there. And, and two days later, he was up about 100 over 100 grand. Wow. And yeah. And he said um, and he said what he did was he he called up and made some arrangements to stay an extra three days and and play out the 150 grand. He just said it was like he, he said, look, I went to play. And I'm just going to play and get comped because he he liked getting comped uh, treatment and, and getting player treatment. Um, and if I'm up, I'm just going to stay an extra couple of days and, you know, and play play that money out. So I get, I get a free trip for longer. And if I'm down, if I lose my, my money the first night, then I pack it up and I go home a night or two early or I just stay and, and do other things, but not gamble. Um, but he said, he said, I've been up a couple of trips where it's like it's time to go home and I'm and I'm up three, four times what I came there with, i just extend my trip and, and stay it out. And I thought although I thought it was out of, out of all the people that have ran across that gamble uh, because throughout the apparently gambling is a big problem for a lot of folks. a lot of people have issues with it. So um, he, he's one of the ones that I thought had it more kind of under control because he, he he didn't think he could ever win. So it took maybe a lot of uh, a lot of the, the addiction the addiction aspect out of it. But, um, but out of everybody I've, I've met, um, he was probably, you know, uh, but he's still playing with a dragon. I mean, it's going to, it's going to bite you one day, you know, you can't control it. There was a, a uh, dude that I met, um, we went to Vegas for, for a photo shoot. First time I'd ever went there before I decided to move there for a few years. And, uh, great photo shoot model, all that. And the guy that was taking pictures, um, he was back in a hotel room with us. We're chatting and he him and his brother were there and we just started talking about gambling a little bit. And I said, um, you know, I just talked, told him I wasn't really into gambling, but I like playing 21 with friends. Like we'd play, uh, you know, 21 with friends. And I was, and I was pretty dumb good at it. And he said, Oh, you should play on the tables. You play on the tables, but I uh, get comp drinks, this and that. This is almost like eight years ago. So I go, all right, well, let's go check it out, I guess. And on the way there, we start talking and I could see like their eyes bubbling, like I could see something going on. And then we, I get there and I just like, you know, take out a couple hundred bucks and I, you know, sit at a, at a table with a, with, a, with a a low minimum. And I played for, you know, I don't know, just a few minutes and I lost some money and and my drink didn't come fast enough for the amount of money I lost. So I was just like, fuck that. I'm done. I'm out of here. So this the free drink came. I, I cashed out. I, left. I mean, I was just done. I, I left. Um. And then um I, I look around and these guys are already at like other tables sitting down, like like really taking it real serious. And I, I waited around for them a little bit. They, they anyway, anyway, we, we talked a little bit more that night and they confessed to me, like sometimes he'll go in there with his with the money he for to pay the rent or pay his electricity bill, and he'll try to make a little bit extra on on that money. And sometimes he wins, sometimes he he squanders his. His uh, his money and the model, she was kind of his girlfriend and she was like upset about him sitting on the tables like I saw like that was my first time really coming in contact with with someone that I could see visibly had a real problem with gambling. Like I could see it just to change like like Golem, like the change in his in his attitude, his personality, like the way he he acted was really kind of and I, I realized, like, holy shit, this is a thing like this is really this is really something I could, you know, like fuck somebody up. Like this guy is talking about taking his rent money and coming in here and trying to trying to double it, I'm gonna double my rent money, you know, and sometimes he won't. Sometimes he, he you know, sometimes he's, he'd gamble away half of it or his electricity bill or things like that. And I thought that was real interesting because I, dude, I, I like I lost like 50 bucks in, in, in a matter of a few minutes. And I was just like, all right, I'm done. Where's my drink? Like, I didn't even get a free drink. Like, where's, you know, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm out, I'm out, I'm done. And I was like, that was like, I think I've sat at tables maybe twice. Um, Didn't last more than than half hour each time, more than a few minutes. I just, it's just not for me, but I see it. Like I see the appeal in people. I see what it does to people. Um, I see like, I can see it, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. Gambling is, is, is one of those addictions, man. It's, it's hard.
0: Yeah. And, um, that that real sports episode was quite good, and they're talking about how um, states are expanding uh, sports gambling, and they're targeting. Guess who they're targeting, Rick? Young males. The young male demographic is the most, you know, susceptible to this, and they'll fall prey to these grifters on uh, social media that claim. Yeah, sign up for my hundred dollar a month subscription, and I'll give you all the picks of the game. Nobody knows what's gonna happen, guys. Nobody fucking knows. All right, nobody, nobody can predict unless you're psychic and you can predict games, which I have before. By the way, I've had dreams about how the game would turn out. But like, unless you get like a psychic vision or something, and what the game, you can't, you can't pick games. These guys are phony. So don't fall victim to this. You know, stay away. From, from gambling, guys. There's no need, just enjoy sports.
1: Enjoy. So when, when, you, have, so when you have a, a, a vision of, or a dream of who's gonna win, uh, Steve, do you, do you put money on it then? Is that like a good short way where you know you're gonna win or do you refrain from betting even when, when, you, when you get a vision about
0: it? I basically have people that I tell and they do whatever they want with that information. So, but gotcha, they don't, gotcha. they don't, yeah, they don't, you know, they do whatever they want with the information. Let's put it that way. Because what happens is, let's say I was to bet on it. um, And that would kind of change it. That would kind of change the aura of, of the situation. So I'm not looking to profit from from it, you know, because that would change, that would change are you it.
1: afraid? Are you afraid you'll lose your superpowers if you use them for monetary gain?
0: I'm, I'm, it's there's a difference between dreaming that you're gonna bet on a game and dreaming of a final score of the game. Does that make sense? So let's say I dreamed that I was going to bet on a game and I went and bet on the game. Okay, that doesn't mean I'm gonna win my bet. You see what I'm saying? So there's a difference. So when you mix in gambling with you know what the score is gonna be, it doesn't. It, then you end up screwing yourself in the process. You see what I'm saying? So that, that's where, that's where the issue comes from. Yeah. That's what I've actually predicted the score of a, of of a game. And uh, the team had the ball, like the one yard line, right? I predicted the score a game would be 17 to 14 and the team had the ball, the one yard line, and they're about to go in for a touchdown. And I told a person in the room, I was like, I was like, I dreamt the score was 17, 14. They're not going to score. And the person looked at me like, what do you mean they're not gonna score? Even if they don't make it, they're gonna probably kick a field goal, whatever. I said, Trust me, it's first and goal on the one-yard line. And they hand the ball off, and the guy fumbles it, and the other team recovers. And I was like, See, there you go. I told you they wouldn't score. It was like a fluke, fluke thing that happened. So yeah, yeah, I can definitely, you know, I think as you get um, yeah, I mean. It's nice. I wish I could predict the uh, fucking lottery number. You know, that would be nice, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it does get up there sometimes, doesn't it? It gets up to hundreds (laughs) of millions of dollars. But at the end of the day, even
0: if I hit the lottery, buddy, I'm still going to do these podcasts because we need need to spread the information. We need to help people. You understand? I would still do this podcast.
1: Even if I was a billionaire, I would still do this podcast. It's great, you know, when you're doing something you love every day, it's, it's, it's just a great feeling. It's incredible, make you feel great. All right, guys,
0: so this is oh, stop it episode. with the accents.
1: Oh, Mr. Accent, here you go again.
0: You know, make we're having a good conversation.
1: Did <laughs> you just we're having a good conversation? Real pleasant, and you drop these weird accents out of no, water. so that's
0: that's Borat. That's Borat, Borat Sakadiev.
1: I, I don't see it, I don't see it, bro. Borat Sakadiev. I, I don't, I don't say, say something else. Let me see if I can picture Borat. I
0: like.
1: That was it's okay. Good. It's good. I was all right. I, mean, I wasn't, you got to do a little more. Now, I mean, you got to do like a couple of sentences or something for me to gauge. it. That was, those two were okay. I like it too much. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's no, good. Well, you're doing a couple words and you're doing well, but I mean, you gotta if you're gonna claim Borat, like you gotta be able to do the whole thing, exactly. That dude is incredible, he's a funny, funny, funny individual,
0: yes, sir. All right, guys, this is another episode. We will talk to you guys next week. Keep the questions coming, take care. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys.